Welcome to Teaching Matters, the University of Edinburgh's hub for discussing, showcasing, critiquing, and celebrating teaching and learning. We are a website, a blog, a podcast, and maybe most importantly, a small group of people passionate about providing platforms for conversations revolving around teaching and learning in higher education. If you're looking to discover educational resources, read the latest academic developments and research, or listen to thought-provoking conversations between educators and learners, Teaching Matters is the place for you. It's academia made accessible. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to today's episode of Teaching Matters. I'm Eric Berger, a podcasting intern at the University of Edinburgh's Institute for Academic Development. We've all had to adjust to the pandemic, often finding creative solutions for unforeseen problems. After a year of online learning and teaching, it's an opportunistic time to look back and reflect. There are two questions that seem especially important this summer. Firstly, how did we adjust to this last year? And secondly, what will we take from it? Nikki Moran faced the difficult task of designing a music and human communications course when face-to-face learning was unavailable. Today, Nikki, two students from the course, and our hosts reflect on their experiences teaching and learning. They began by discussing their course and introduce a few grounding exercises. The conversation then expands and covers thought-provoking questions about academia, such as, if we're no longer physically going to university, then where is academia? How have we repurposed our time and our spaces? In what ways do we treat home, specifically the bedroom, differently now that it's our workspace? Thankfully, all of this and more is touched on. I'll let the group introduce themselves. My name is Rahani Campbell-Gordon and I'm a peer learning coordinator at the Students Association. So I coordinate all of the PAL schemes across the university, as well as different academic engagement-esque projects. Hello, my name's Tyler. I'm a film and TV student at UCA, third year, about to go into fourth year. I'm mostly at the moment interested in sound recording or going into sound design. I'm I'm Nicholas. I'm a music student on the MA course and like Tyler, I'm just about to be going into fourth year as well. My main interests are around composition and performance, so how we write music and then how we then relay it to an audience, which is also why I chose this course in communication. My name is Nikki Moran. I'm the course organiser for the course Music and Human Communication um, that uh, Tyler and Nicholas were both students on in the last semester. The group begins the discussion by reflecting on what teaching and learning has looked like for each of them over the last year. I don't really want to kind of get it out too early, but I found it really, really difficult to engage with online or hybrid learning with my main course, because a lot of the time I found it very dehumanizing just to be constantly kind of staring at a screen and then waiting for kind of latency for someone to get back to me, or then the Wi-Fi goes and there's this kind of whole like disconnect of it, which is why I've enjoyed the music and human communication course so much, because uh, Nikki's sort of introduce these grounding tasks to kind of get us all engaged in thinking as kind of one group or maybe even individually sometimes. I found it varied from course to course this year. I was quite lucky most of my courses were based on submissions so a lot of the work could be done from home whereas it did take away some of the human element in between classes where we would normally talk to each other or what are you doing for your project maybe just converse about the course in general that that aspect has been missing in a lot of the classes but I've enjoyed having that in the communication course because 
we did a lot more breakout rooms than I have in my other subjects and we actually got to discuss with our peers and classmates how they felt about the year and it was just, it was it was a lot a lot better for our communication in general I thought because I'd been missing actually conversing with people that I was going to uni with. These are things that you're you're talking about now and just um, it's sending me back remembering to the very start of the semester well all the way through semester one when I was thinking to myself right how's the human communication course going to run in semester two how are we going to do this how's this going to happen and uh, you know for everybody there's been this sort of continual firefighting and dodging and ducking and diving for everybody as we've sort of constantly had to readjust to what the restrictions are or might be and thinking about what we do next and this particular course I was really aware that well there's a general principle that I'm, I'm learning as time goes on every year in teaching that showing not telling is so important but the substance of any course con content whatever it is whatever the topic is whatever the course is that I'm teaching I find more and more all the time you have to show not tell um, and for this particular course I just knew that if I couldn't sort of let you all figure out together what like the subtleties and the depth of different the different aspects of of um, non-verbal communication, the different aspects of timing, responsiveness, <laughs> that the sort of improvisatory feel of actual everyday aspects of communication. And then we wouldn't be able to talk about what that means in, in musical performance. And we wouldn't be able to, to actually grapple with some of the really heavy theoretical interdisciplinary literature that, that the course is designed to deal with. So I was, I was kind of thinking all the way through semester one, I was thinking, oh, how am I going to set this up in semester two and kind of hoping that we would have some actual in the room contact which would make it easier but we didn't but I, I'm glad to hear that both of you feel like you did get some of that through the course and you mentioned that you know the grounding exercises which we picked up on as um, something something that we could chat about. Nikki and Tyler introduced grounding exercises as being helpful in building the foundation of the music and human communications course, especially when face-to-face -face learning was unavailable. So what is a grounding exercise? It's essentially any activity that helps anchor you in the present moment. Without knowing, you may have completed a grounding exercise recently. Things like taking a few deep breaths, feeling the chair underneath you, stretching, or noticing the change of temperature from indoors to outdoors can all be considered grounding exercises. Here, Tyler, Nicholas, and Nikki introduced some grounding exercises from their course and the impact it had on their experiences in the virtual classroom. And so if we kind of go to the grounding techniques idea, then I wonder if one of you would maybe be able to talk through how that interacts with the class. Yeah, with the, with the grounding tasks, they were really open which kind of, I think, is what facilitated the conversation between us because each task would be a couple of sentence information on how to complete it and what we needed to do. And then from there, we were free to use whatever materials we wished, if it was pen, paper, paint, if we wanted to make a collage, which some people did in some weeks. We approached it from a variety of ways. And for me, one of the most memorable ones was where we had to draw without moving a hand off the page. And then after we'd finished the grounding task, we would then kind of discuss how would you relate that to music or life in general or in any way you could think of it. And I, I often found myself noticing similarities between the ways that I would approach a grounding task to the way I would approach a musical task. I, I kind of, my brain would process it the same way. I love it so much that you just said that, Nicholas. 
when I look back across the sort of the suite of um, of exercises that we that we pulled together, there are like principles of uh, you know basically improvisatory practice that are and mindfulness that are really at the heart of all the tasks that we put together. And um, it's really, really exciting to hear you hear you talk about that and relate that to your, your musically expressive self. I think that some of these things do come through. I was going to try and find the screen grabs that I've got so that to, to just prompt you and remind you of particular tasks and see if you remember them. I'm going to see if I can do that. Can you see that? Yeah, you can see the list if you want to maybe open one. I was, I was actually looking at the lemon one, which I thought was quite interesting. And maybe do you want to talk through how that actually worked? Maybe Tyler, if you remember the lemon buzz grounding task. Do I remember the lemon task? Um, essentially, uh, we all had to bring in a lemon to the start of class. We had to like uh, sort of just pierce the skin very gently. And like between, I think it was between the skin and the flesh of the lemon, there's like a certain kind of like citrusy oil and that's called lemon oil. And then we were instructed to like kind of smell the lemon oil or deeply inhale it. And the idea is that it's got, correct me if I'm wrong, but like re- rejuvenating factors, it's supposed to kind of get your, like the cogs in your brain turning. I remember really enjoying it actually, because it was such a like um, bizarre, but also really fun introduction to the course and the grounding tasks. It really woke me up because it was both the lemon oil, but also just the kind of freshness of it. I'd never done a task like that, maybe even in primary school or nursery, let alone at uni level. So it was very fun to kind of get in touch with that kind of weirdness. Yeah, that sounds great. Was it so bizarre that you kind of took you a little while to see how it was relevant or how it kind of would apply to your practice? Or did you feel like actually you kind of got the hang of it quite quickly? I feel like I got the hang of it very quickly. I think it just, it kind of taught me something new about something I always kind of wrote off as just a fruit. Like there's lots of kind of different factors of fruit in our everyday things we interact with that kind of maybe have not secrets, but like Easter eggs, I guess, about them. And um, if I was to apply that to like my kind of normal practice filmmaking, Agnes Varda uh, did a documentary called The Gleamers and I, where she has a whole montage of just like finding potatoes and then comparing them to different shapes. Like she finds a kind of love heart shaped potato I guess it's this idea of taking a new perspective on a food product and kind of like looking at it in a new, fresh and exciting way. That's, that's so, so interesting to hear. Um, the, the lemon buzz one was my, was, sort of, was, my, was my starter kickoff because that was after I'd realised that not only were we going to have to convene everybody remotely and digitally with all of those challenges, but also that my course was scheduled for 9am. <laughs> I just thought... Oh, crikey, you know, no, people people going to even be asleep. Um, so that was also, I wanted to, I just wanted to try and find something that would just like, just pull everybody into this common space. And just quite a few of the tasks are about remembering that you've got this whole body and all of these senses and all this all of this sort of interaction with with the environment you know when we're just spending hours and hours in front of the screen that's that gets really lost we had another one that was do you remember other body curiosity yeah we took a like a minute or so to think about what was going on around us what we could notice if it was sensations or sounds or just any changes in the air or anything and i found it quite interesting because i think especially with the online learning, when we just go and sit at a computer and go to learn, I think there's, we're, we're so focused on the fact that we're, we're about to go to a class that we maybe don't, don't notice what's around us. But for that, maybe one minute or so at the start of a class is actually quite relaxing and it kind of sets you up for what you're about to do because you're just, you're taking in what's going on around you. You know, if you have the window open, maybe a nice breeze and it gives you a moment also if your chair's uncomfortable, you adjust the way you're sitting. And it's it's that kind of just a, taking a moment for yourself that I think can then get you ready for the class. Because I know certainly 
I used to uh, commute uh, to lectures. So see, not having the ability to just go for that walk before a class to in the morning to get you refreshed and ready to learn. Uh, just taking a moment for yourself at the start of the class is actually, I feel it just prepared me and got me ready to listen. Yeah, that's really interesting. And actually, this kind of idea has been brought up a lot, actually, when, when we're talking with staff for the Teaching Awards podcast, especially, but generally talking with academic staff about how, you know, obviously, we're reapproaching the day um, and how we and how we kind of engage with, um, you know, our teaching or working with students or for our student our studies. But we're also reapproaching the, the everything that leads up to the day. So what time you wake up, because you have to, you know, you've cut out this this portion of your morning that would maybe be used for commuting and, and kind of how some people have maybe repurposed that time. So, you know, a lot of people maybe use that time for extra sleep, but then other people have taken that time to almost kind of reenact their commute in a different way. And, and that and what you would normally get from a commute, which can be a sense of kind of refreshing and, and kind of, you know, getting into the right mindset for the day ahead. So it's really interesting to think about. Yeah, I mean, another another one I was looking at was the scratchy paper music. I wonder if you'd maybe kind of talk through maybe what the kind of uh, intention of this was, what the approach for this was, and maybe talk about how it actually helped um, the students in, in how they how they were able to, to learn and, and approach their kind of classes and, and their practice and what the benefit or the impact of that was. Yeah, the scratchy paper music. Uh, I, I love doing that one. I remember that doing that one because I did. Of course, I was doing all the grounding exercises as well myself. <laughs> when we when we run these sessions, I, I for the same reason, for the same benefit that, that the group were getting, it was also important for me, and really you know put us all in the same space. But the scratchy paper move, music came out of early, an earlier task that we did called you have nice hands <laughs> which which was when we, we we collected we shared some listening to music and just spent those couple of minutes just in collective listening and I encouraged everybody to to, to doodle <laughs> to have their hand in front of them connected onto the paper and to doodle but to do it with this sense of a bit of distance some distance from from the activity so that it, it changes it from being um, a sort of goal oriented you know purposeful or sort of somehow a, a sort of a, a task that can be right or wrong it's not goal directed and it turns it into something where that all of the focus is on the process and the moment again it, it's a sort of mind it's very mindful practice so with you have nice hands we all had to soak into the listening and then watch our hand to see what it did uh, with the instruction, you have to watch your hand like you're watching someone you love from a little way off. So this idea of sort of kindness, <laughs> um, kindness to ourselves, you know, this, this year has been incredibly hard on everybody. Um, and I think those little moments of just being a bit gentle, non-judgmental, and being able to be in, in the process of something for a little bit and stay mindful is good. But then we developed that you have nice hands task later on to the scratchy paper music. And this was, again, back to doodling, but this time we didn't, we weren't all listening to something or the same thing. It was about it's being in that process, but, but, but getting very playful with, 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 the, with the sound that, that sort of accidentally happens when you make marks on paper. So I encourage people to, to find, you know, whatever was in front of them for mark making. So it might have been, it might have been paintbrushes or there might have been, you know, just a biro or a pencil. And I talked about, you know, that there could be sort of using the, the paper even more sort of inventively, you might want to, to, to rub out with it or tear or cut or, or score. 
so you know make you know rip the fabric of the paper maybe but just to think of again that doodling process but just to stay in it stay in that act for just a couple of minutes of doodling and then you know let yourself hear what's happening creatively um just through that through that process of doodling and 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 just play around with that so it's possible then to, to think much more in these sort of musically creative terms you're you're basically dealing with you know with with, with aspects of, of of rhythm with the, the the temporal aspects of what happens when you make marks on paper you can do it with regularity or you can do it without that sense of pulse you can start playing with that you can go fast you can go slow the the shapes and the gestures that you make it expressively you you can hear that <laughs> If you listen to what, if you listen to that doodling, you can hear there is a form of music making there. But that's what it was like for me. I don't know, guys. Do you do you remember doing that one? I um I found with the the scratchy paper music was actually one of one of my favourite grounding tasks from the semester. And I think that in part comes from during during lockdown, obviously, because we've not been able to like live music has stopped. Like where I would be performing with bands and, and friends. We've been collaborating online and been a lot of kind of music making going on to the point where I guess it's kind of like invaded all aspects of in my personal time, like what I would do. So with the scratchy paper music, I was sitting at the paper and I'd be using a pen and listening to the noise it made. And I would be quite kind of rhythmic because that's usually the role I play in a band anyway. So I'd be quite rhythmic and then uh, I'd be kind of like writing or drawing lines, sorry, in a rhythm and then experimenting with scrunching the paper and just kind of playing around and it was I think it was quite fun because I think during lockdown obviously being indoors all the time I think you sometimes get those moments of writer's block and you can't think oh how, how, how am I going to write something that sounds cool right now how am I going to make something that I'm going to enjoy to play and then just kind of those few minutes of playing around with the paper was actually quite kind of eye-opening because not not everything that uh, that we kind of did with the paper I thought sounded good some of it I thought was just a bit uh, some of it like oh though that's not an, that's not an idea I would adapt into a real musical idea but it was quite kind of relaxing and calming to just kind of do something a bit more chilled out and just take a moment to think well this might not sound good but let's give it a go and just unwind. I feel kind of bad because like of uh, the tasks we did I did really enjoy that one in particular because again it was about I feel like uh, I'm going to keep coming back to this idea of perspective like, because that's what it was for you, and that's how I engaged with it the most, was just taking a new perspective on things. But um, the one I, like, particularly remember that working for the best with me was the one where we had to, like, kind of sit down or lay down in a new kind of area of our, like, room or wherever we were, and uh, just, like, concentrate on just where we, yeah, that was it, where we were, we were looking. And um, I don't know, it really interested me, because, like, uh, it just, pointed things out to me that I never realized before there's always like something there that you haven't appreciated or something that's like sort of just waiting for you to discover it and I feel like if I was to apply that to kind of uh, music and learning I feel like when I was uh, doing the readings for um, the lectures I was having that kind of same approach of is there something that I am missing just because I haven't approached this the right way is there something that is like kind of waiting for me to discover if I just go further down this rabbit hole you know and I feel like that was like really kind of interesting to me. Through detailing a grounding task, Tyler introduces perspective, something that's been all too familiar this year. We also heard from Rahani about reapproaching our processes and repurposing time that's no longer installed, like commutes. When these ideas crash together, we can get curious about this year of online learning. Thankfully, the group discusses how this last year has shifted their perspectives on home and academia. 
And I wondered if there's if you've kind of got any ideas on that on, on you know how the kind of shifting meaning and purpose of your bedrooms for example or your living room or, or where it is you're working how that kind of shifting purpose of that space has, has kind of really affected your practice this year because you know maybe something that started off as a place that you sleep and get dressed is now somewhere where you sleep and get dressed and study and read and write and, and watch and, and all these other kind of things so yeah I mean I think this is especially interesting when we're talking about practical subjects as well or, or sort of that could have incorporated a real sense of of kind of in the space practice so yeah so maybe Tyler do you do you have any ideas on this? Yeah one of my friends uh, Al Gillam wrote a really interesting piece about this idea of uh, the bedroom is now becoming the art gallery for a lot of people your bedroom is a way of expressing your identity now if I was just like show around my room, you'd see a lot of film posters and also like cards that I've got from friends or letters that I've received from friends that mean a lot to me. And I think it's kind of strange and also interesting that that kind of intimate space of all these things that I feel express my identity some way is also now where I have to be more professional and learn. I think at the start, I was kind of intimidated by that because it's like this kind of weird, complete clash of professionalism versus like just unwinding and relaxing. But then after a while, after reading my friend's piece on the bedroom being the art gallery, I kind of thought, oh, like, is that a bad thing? Can I bring a more kind of relaxed approach to professionalism? Is there some like the grounding tasks for me were like relaxed kind of informality meeting professionalism. And it kind of opened up professionalism in a new way for me. Like I was thinking, again, differently about a core subject, about like education, about academia academia was no longer like a lecture hall it was now surrounded in things that inspire me or interest me or parts of my personality I think that's really great a great quote <laughs> academia is no longer the lecture hall it is and it's so true that you know a lot of the time it's quite maybe quite tempting as a student to think that this is just you that has you know a bedroom wall with covered in posters or you think is my is my background tidy enough or am I having to switch into a different mindset and then you realize that actually everyone's having that problem whether they are an academic or you know there's always going to be clutter in the background regardless of, of who you are and there's always going to be cats appearing in the background regardless of how senior and academic they are but no I think that's a really that's a, I really like that idea of you know academia is wherever you're basically wherever you're learning on you know wherever you're logging on to learn um, academia is now wherever you're, you know, listening to your Zoom lectures or, or you're, you know, you're writing your assignments. I think that's a really, that's a really interesting idea. Nicholas, I wonder if you maybe want to have any thoughts on this, especially as I mentioned earlier about your guitar and amp in the background. And, and um, is that something that, you know, you'd normally be having with, with your room maybe being a kind of practice studio as well? Or has that maybe changed a bit this year? It's kind of become more, it's become more geared towards education. Sometimes I have to, normally I would practice guitar in the same spot where I would and record it in the same spot where I was now doing lectures. So I still have one mode to another, you know, go from education mode to practice mode. So some, I actually found myself often moving my chair uh, to the back of the room and practicing guitar there in a different space. That way it felt in the same zone constantly because I think I think it's been... I imagine a lot of students have felt the same that it can be quite difficult to switch off um, at the end of the day when you're using your bedroom as the place of education to then like switch off and watch a film or play a game or whatever could be quite difficult when you're you're now associated with work. sometimes even just getting up and leaving the room for 10 minutes at the end of a day before I then sat and played guitar just to kind of get that feeling of you're you're not in the classroom anymore you're in a different uh, a different area you can relax and you could approach music slightly differently 
yeah, it's it it has been very interesting having to get used to the same environment being used for multiple situations. Yeah, that's a real um I think that's a real kind of common thread for a lot of students this year. And I think that idea you've just said of literally repurposing the, the same four walls by moving into a different corner for a different task, I think is is a really important. I remember last probably this time last year I wrote a kind of guide for some PGR chemistry students on kind of general kind of maintaining of well-being as they could have got to their write-up stage of their research um, and something that I'm a big advocate for and I think is really interesting is kind of sleep hygiene and how you interact with it sounds really silly but interacting with your bed as a, as a place that is kind of a real harbour of, of your um, well-being and trying not to use your bed for anything other than sleeping and trying not to bring food or work or anything else onto that. And it's very tempting for it to become another storage space. It's very tempting for it to be an extra table or where you do most of your work. Everyone turns around and looks <laughs> looks to their bed. And, uh, yeah, no, I. But yeah, and I think I think that's really. So I, a lot of what I was talking about that was that if if you're not able to, you know, sit at a desk to do your work and avoid using your bed as an extra surface, at least changing the position you're in for different tasks and different things, and and not lying down to try and write and. And kind of keeping different positions and different areas for relaxing. So lying down is, is a nice position to be in for watching TV in the evening. But to try and approach learning and work is, you know, trying to have a bit more of a better posture and a, and a you know, more kind of formalised approach. But yeah, I think that's really interesting. Thank you for that. Maybe Nikki, do you want to maybe, have we got any similar thoughts or any ideas on this? Obviously from the perspective of a, an educator. Oh, about about the spaces the spaces that I'm working and teaching in yeah it's, oh, it's been it's been a complete voyage of discovery hasn't it this last year for everybody yeah I mean I, I've spent an awful lot of time in the last 12 months in what is basically a glorified cupboard <laughs> I've been working in the uh, the box room in our flat which has um, you know underneath underneath the platform bed with no external windows and um, it was kind of all right in the winter because I could make it feel cosy but as as we sort of moved into spring I was just struggling more and more um feeling like I was you know sort of literally trapped in a cupboard <laughs> but you know I I mean I've, I've been thinking for quite a long time even before the pandemic I've been very aware of the importance of it's not it's not the idea of posture is an interesting one the idea of like there's good posture and posture and bad posture but most importantly for me this is just about movement uh, so much of the day-to-day -day work that we do what even before the pandemic, it was already, we were already having to work, you know, digitally through devices that just sort of, you know, can constrain the way that our bodies are moving. So we're getting, you know, lots of lots of interaction, but it's of a very particular sort and it's very constrained by that sort of hands and eyes thing and the sort of the, the, the angles that our arms are bent to and, you know, all of that. So I've been really aware for quite a while, just for me personally, I just have to move a lot. And I know that the days when I do not move a lot, where I am just sitting <laughs> or just standing, these are not good days. I get to the end of the day and I do not feel good. So, so I, I try quite a lot to um, to actually just change position quite often. So, uh, I mean, I found like one of my one of one of the, the things I changed that like a single small thing that I changed that did help over the last year was sitting on on the floor more and sitting on a bench instead of in a chair because then I could you know, sit cross-legged or kneel or just be more likely to just, you know, move and wiggle a bit more often during the day. <laughs> that helped me. But also, yeah, I just basically needed, needed my children to go back to school. Um, and once that happened, I was able to, I could just use more of my own, use more spaces in my own home and that got easier. 
This conversation reminds me on how adaptive we've been, and how we often use creativity to adapt. I wouldn't have anticipated things like rounding exercises, bedroom wall art, working on the floor, or focusing on posture to be important adaptations to online learning, yet they are. With all of the changes, it's only natural to think, will we remember this period fondly? How will we remember this? The group does one final reflection, touching on some of the things they've especially missed or appreciated from the year of online learning. Well, one thing that I am aware of is that for all of the, the horrible, the horrible sort of dissatisfaction and challenge of virtual interaction, there are some elements that I do believe are positive <laughs> in change. I think that something that I've, again, really been looking for and missing for for a long time and absolutely pre-pandemic is a, cl a closeness, an opportunity for closeness with students, oddly enough, that, you know, that being in the lecture hall, you're, you're at the front behind a podium or something, you know, and, and, and people are further away. Even teaching in, in Alison House, when we're teaching in, in smaller rooms, there is still, you know, that you, you're going to occupy that space at the front of the room and you've got people in seats away from you and a lot of the stuff you know for, for me there's always this sort of this reaching out this longing to actually to you know to have sort of more of a, a meaningful or spontaneous interaction with students in the room and actually when the wi-fi behaves <laughs> there are some elements of, of of digital seminars where you can get that you know i mean you're you know you're literally seeing i'm, I'm, I'm going to lean forward to my camera now because i've got the camera on like I would not expect a student to see my face that close up if we were really in the room. And the same, you know, likewise, you know, we, we tend we can see each other closer. We can almost be closer when the Wi-Fi is behaving. Um, and I think there's something that like we're talking about all these things that have sort of broken down elements of, you know, this is wh where academia happens. It's not in the lecture hall anymore. It's wherever you're learning, you know, and I think there's, there are some I think there was some stuff that was actually ready for it was ready for breaking. I'm not sure that it was totally working before. So I kind of, you know, embrace the embrace the change now. So I'll be looking to keep some of that so slightly more intimate teaching, I guess. I'll be looking for that, for those sort of spontaneous conversations and see how I can keep those going forward. Yeah, that's that's really, that's fantastic. That's really interesting. And I definitely think the, the barriers there, the more physical barriers of teaching with this very kind of conventional, you know, expert at the front, students, sitting facing and, and listening to the talking at them and all this kind of stuff and obviously you can kind of mix up your lectures as, as much as you you're able to and really can make it interactive but I think that sense of a hierarchy and kind of real barrier is always going to be there in a way that on teams everyone's faces are the same size um and you know everyone is equal in that sense that so, yeah that's really interesting Tyler do you have any ideas on this Kind of branching off of what Nikki was saying about it being, I think maybe intimate is the wrong word, but more kind of intimate understanding of like a lecturer's, I guess, personal life, like we're in their home now. I reminded of a funny kind of moment. It was one of the morning lectures with Nikki. I think her, one of her kids was pestering her. They said like, oh, can I play Sonic, please? And she responded, yes, if we'll make you be quiet. <laughs> I feel like it's those kind of moments that we don't really get if uh, Nikki was at the front of a lecture hall. So that, that definitely made me a year, actually. Thank you for that. <laughs> That's great. I love that anecdote. Nicholas, have you got any parting remarks, maybe any final thoughts? Yeah, I definitely think this class in particular has helped. I think with the online teaching, 
as students, we're quite nervous when it comes to contributing to a class because there's that worry of you might interrupt someone when they're speaking, there might be a Wi-Fi issue and they don't pick up what you say. But with with this class in particular, obviously being a communication-based class with weekly breakout rooms and there was a lot of interaction and seeing how much effort other students and the staff make makes you feel, it encourages you, you want to do the best you can to help contribute because you want the class to run well and you want to get the most out of it. So I definitely think going forward uh, in my final year, I'm going to try and contribute as much as possible and, and really uh, not, not take for granted that kind of social or chatty aspect of education because it's been really good to have that with this class. And I think that not having it at all would have been quite, quite disappointing because uh, I've missed that interaction and this course has definitely given me that that social interaction that I have missed throughout the year. It's always nice to end a conversation with some optimism. My only wish is that I was there to hear Nikki's kid ask to play Sonic. We could all use a nice video game break at this point. But first, a huge thank you to Rahani, Nikki, Nicholas, and Tyler for sharing their thoughts on this past year of teaching and learning. Conversations like these can kickstart personal reflections as well. How have you adapted to this year? What are you taking with you? Is there anything you'll miss? And what have you learned? If you want to explore these thoughts further, we've got you covered. Reflections on teaching and learning is one of our bi-monthly themes, so head over to Teaching Matters and participate in this reflection through reading posts, commenting, or even writing your own. Repurpose your time with more Teaching Matters. Thank you for stopping by Old Town's favorite digital space for showcasing, discussing, and celebrating teaching and learning. We hope to have you back next week.